Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Always Be My Maybe, directed by Nanachka Khan and released in 2019. The plot of the movie goes something like this. A pair of childhood friends end up falling for each other when they grow up. So uh, before we get into the spoiler section of this movie, we'll let you know whether or not you guys should see it. It is currently streaming on Netflix. Yeah, look, as we say about all Netflix films, or especially all Netflix rom-coms, if it's your thing, I think you should see it. But I think as discussed on this podcast before, rom-coms are not either of our thing, really. We watch this one because it's quite buzzy, because it's got some actors that we really like in it. This is certainly a cut above some other Netflix-only films that we've watched, but it's definitely one for people who are very much into rom-coms rather than necessarily everyone. Um, I also found it a bit throwbacky. Like some of the humour and stuff was just a bit like it almost could have been made in the 90s. It just felt a bit out of time. Um, but, yeah, look, if it's your thing, it'll probably be fun. Obviously, uh Having a predominantly Asian cast is a still in this day and age an unusual thing, and that is really nice to see. It's got some talent um, that I really like behind it, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it's for me. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like if you like romantic comedies, you're going to love this. This is a romantic comedy with a capital R and a capital C. Like truth, true that a romantic comedy. It follows all of the tropes. You know, it's pretty fun it's pretty entertaining um the characters are played by likable actors mm. i don't know how likable the characters are all of the time but they are played by likable actors yes um and there's some good stuff in it i it just like i don't like romantic comedies so i spent a lot of time cringing because yeah. a lot of the things that are in romantic comedies are just not my thing i, I also um, found some of the, those throwback tropes that i described a little bit like weird like we're still doing a fat sassy black friend in 2019 like i guess they give her a bit of a twist but yeah i i don't know um yeah and like um the thing one of the things i did like was like there is at least an attempt to it's not a gimmicky movie it mm. is just like these are people who have lived two different lives who are trying to come together mm. and their different lives cause a lot of the problems and i was like great like i don't mind where this is going then they fall into some traps that i don't like very much yeah i think that might be it but like at least the core kind of tension in their relationship isn't some dumb fabricated like you know i lied to you about being a journalist or whatever no crap there is no they seem the to have ones. real yeah, they're real things that are coming between them and they feel quite real in the way that their lives have diverged. Or, I'm a quirky bookshop owner and you're a megastore bookshop owner and we met online. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of like really – that stuff yeah. really grates on me. It isn't It isn't cliched and um, it also, by virtue of allowing – like having a, having a mostly Asian cast, it allows the characters to be more than cliches and mm. it allows some actors who often have to play characters who are a bit of a cliché to not do that. Yes. Or, or play a different type of cliche in well, Daniel Day Kim's case. In some, <laughs> some cases. Yeah, he was – I always forget how handsome he is. I Not only do I always forget how handsome he is, she's like, he's a young 50, and I was like, holy crap. And then I looked it up, and he is, in fact, 50. Yep. He is a 50-year-old man, Daniel Day Kim. Holy crap. Yep. He is so attractive. Anyway, yeah. So, I mean – I think we might might as well go into spoilers yeah. now. So if you haven't seen Always Be My Baby and you want to, uh, stop the podcast now and come back when you have. 
Yeah. Um, so um, I've got DDK is such a hot douche is my only real note on him, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I, and the um, 50. Yeah. I, hmm. I just wrote, I always forget how handsome he is. He is. He's so pretty. So pretty. Like, I mean, God, she has so many attractive men. Just like right at her doorstep in this movie, because mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Maybe we should go through it properly. But like my, the only part of the movie that I really found entertaining and really enjoyed was when Keanu Reeves showed up. I have written a note. This is the best thing Keanu's ever done. It it might be. Um, I think Keanu's actually done a lot of great things, but his- <laughs> he has. But his willingness in this to make fun of himself and to just go with whatever he was asked to do is delightful it's yeah no i when i say best things ever i don't mean that like i'm yeah i he just is he's a delight yeah he's so delightful in this and like the only time i really laughed out loud like the dinner i thought was really really funny um the food that they were bringing out for the dinner was really really funny the way keanu was so into it yeah like all that stuff i found genuinely funny yeah whereas the other stuff that had happened before and after i was kind of like occasional chuckle see i liked him best when they got back to the hotel room and things started to escalate that was my favorite bit of what he was doing the dinner i didn't find i was like this joke has been overdone for me and i was like oh yeah okay we get it like this is boring hipster food and i think also like i could see where it was going in terms of hipster versus quote-unquote authentic in terms of food but i i know i actually yeah i thought he was actually more fun and more f- like he was completely off the chain when they got back to the hotel and like, i liked that more i liked that too but i also like it yes i know what the joke was but i still found the individual jokes really funny mm. like when they bring out the all black monochrome <laughs> plate um that is so your sense of humor yeah it is it's, yeah, yeah it is my sense of humor so that made me laugh a lot the concept of time course and then like Keanu crying when he heard the the sound of the animal that he was about to eat and then eating it anyway made me laugh probably more than anything else in the movie. Yeah. Like that is my sense. Of, and and also when um the um Marcus's girlfriend who I just thought was delightful. Oh, Jenny was fun. She was she was having so much fun in this movie, but when she says don't eat the napkin Marcus, <laughs> really funny to me. Yeah, and again, I liked her better. I liked the um the hotel room scene where, where when everything goes south, she's like, "I'm going to stay here," and I'm like, "You shoot your shot, Jenny. You yeah. do that." Yeah, exactly. As if you wouldn't. I know, right? Like she seemed great. I really liked her. They were kind of mean to her, but I really liked her. <laughs> oh, I mean, I didn't, but also I was like, "You do you, girl. Like you shoot your shot with this guy." She okay. The only really negative trait that I can see about her is that she thinks her cooking is good, but it isn't. Well, no, but she also thinks that well, – she's also, like, annoying. Like, she's very uh, overbearing and earth-mothery and, like, I don't know. She's I, – I understand why people find her uh, too much. Okay, so what that reminds me of is, like, you know on Friends how there was Janice – Yes. And everybody was so mean to Janice yes. and acted like she was the worst thing ever. But she's a really nice person who was just nice to her friends and liked her boyfriend. Like, she never did anything wrong. People just don't like her because she has an annoying, annoying voice. Yeah. And it's possible that that's – and, like, the, the dreadlocks and the, you know, the 90s era outfits and stuff. It's, it's probably just the hipsterism that's making her annoying rather yeah. than her action. But, yeah, she, she annoyed me. She <laughs> didn't do anything wrong. She was nice to her boyfriend, nice to her boyfriend's old childhood friend. And then when Keanu – she gets to meet Keanu Reeves and Randall's uh, – Randall – Marcus is kind of an ass to him. She's like, I'm going to stay here and hang out with Keanu Reeves. And I'm like, 
yeah, that makes sense. You two seem really similar. I think you would get along well. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, by that point, I did like her. I was like, these two actually suit each other. Yeah. Leave them together. That's awesome. You go, Jenny. I think, um, I don't know. I think a lot of the time I feel like some kind of sympathy for women who were who were declared annoying without actually having done anything wrong. Mm. And she's a like like Marcus keeps saying, she's a really good person. She helps people in the community. Like, you know, all yeah, the she stuff. just doesn't, you know, understand social cues. It's yeah, yeah, I get it. Well, I constantly work with people who don't understand social cues, so maybe that doesn't mm. bother me as much. Yeah. And everybody is like, all of the other people in his life are all like, mm, she's kind of awful. And I'm like, why? Why are you all so negative about her? Like, it's not like bloody Ali Wong doesn't have any flaws, you she know? Has some flaws, yes. Exactly. Like, it, mm. you guys are being really unfair to this character, I thought. Like, the, it's also, it's not like, um, Lucas is, uh, Marcus is a catch either. I know. And like the way they shoot her apartment and the way that they like, it, it's almost like her existence is inherently funny in the movie. Like who she is as a person is supposed to be inherently funny. And I immediately like reacted against that. Ah. I think like I was immediately like, why are you making fun of everything about her immediately? She, you know, mm. she seems perfectly nice. She's been nice to everybody Except for occasionally Marcus when he's being a pain in the ass. Mm. And and Marcus is, yeah, like I say, no catch. Like he's he's like the definition of failure to launch. Like he just hasn't even bothered trying to like expand his horizons or move out of any of his comfort zones. Yeah, no, I feel like we were supposed to like him because he's one of the central characters, but he does a lot of things that I don't like. Every time they have a fight, he goes immediately to like – target all of what's the character Ali Wong's character's name oh, Sasha. Sasha all of Sasha's weaknesses like all of her mm. tender you know like points just to yeah. dig at her and it's yeah. really he's really and, mean and he does it from a place of like he was never brave enough to kind of pursue anything of his own like get out of his own comfort zones like he's so stuck in his ways that he won't even audition with his band that he plays with for free you know like he's so kind of he's he's just sort of throwing stones from his glass house at her kind of i mean i i definitely am more of a marcus than a sasha in that like i am somebody who likes things to be comfortable and sure sure but to like not you know he and, the, and there's nothing wrong with like for example he lives with his dad at 34 that's pretty normal especially in the san francisco real estate market right I know, right but he's never like he didn't bother going to college or he didn't bother pursuing a career outside of what his dad does and he didn't like ever think about any of those sorts of things. Like no. he didn't ever pursue his in the mu- the music thing. He's kind of still hanging out with the, the – he's still doing the same things in the same club with the same – he didn't want to yeah. grow. A lot of that is clearly um, out of trauma though. Like Yeah, the, the it's thing sure. Is- and, but it is like – that's what I'm saying. Like it is – there is that aspect of it and um, – James Saito as his dad is – I've just written James Saito, hard eyes. Yeah, in, James. He is wonderful. And there's a um, – and, and he kind of does a bit a fair bit to humanize him because there's a scene where he's like sitting in his room smoking pot and his dad comes – and standing in front of the mirror posing and his dad comes in. Dancing. Dancing, sorry. And his dad says, what are you doing? He's like, I'm smoking pot and dancing in front of a mirror and they have a dance off. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, my my note in that scene is Harry Kim is the best character, what a cutie, and a good dancer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I also really enjoyed James Saito in this movie. And uh, his little, like, affair with the Diana Ross impersonator is so cute. And I was like, yes, Dad, get some. Yeah. 
That's really not well. He's it's been like sixteen years since his wife died, and then they pair up at the end, and they're they're still together, and they fly to New York together. It's so cute. It's so sweet. Yeah, no, I loved him. He was adorable. Um, yeah, but then, but also like Randall Park is, and I think this is the thing: is he is more relatable to most of the audience. Most of us are more Randall Parky than we are Sasha Tranny. Like, like most of us feel kind of like we get to our thirties and we're like. Oh my god, where what am I doing? Like where am I going? I thought I'd be further along by now. And so there is that relatability to mm. him. Well, I think the thing is for me, it's not that stuff that I find annoying about the character. It's the way that he like turns on meanness as a defense mechanism yeah. consistently through the movie, which Sasha doesn't do. Mm. She's like she's she can be mean, but it's more out of her own innate bluntness. Mm. Like she just doesn't, you know, she yeah. just gets straight to the point of things. Whereas he will like try personal attacks whenever he feels, starts feeling defensive. Yeah. And that's what I find really unpleasant about yeah. the character. And also I, the drunk, the drunk um, audition, which I found horrendous. Oh, it's obnoxious. And then they were like, they gave us a second chance. And I was like, Who <laughs> would have done that? <laughs> no. You peed on the sound equipment. Like, no, nobody's giving you a second chance. You're no. awful. Yeah, I think – I actually think there was a mean streak of humour that ran through this that mm-hmm. isn't to my taste. And I think it's – I haven't really – I don't really know Ali Wong's stand-up that well, but what I know of it is a lot of that. And there are, in fact, some jo- jokes that I know were directly taken from her stand-up routines and put in the mouth of um, mostly her friend's uh, – who's uh, Michelle something, the actress, I can't remember her name – her friend's mouth. But um, – I, I think perhaps it's not my sense of humor, like Ali Wong's humor, and she she and Randall Park um, co-wrote the script. I think their sense of humor is a bit meaner than I'm sort of used I, that than is my preference. Mm. So there's definitely a streak of that runs through the script. Yeah, and he he turns on the meanness too often for me. It annoys mm. me. Yeah. Um. So I didn't enjoy that so much, but um, there's also like. A little bit of fat shaming in this movie. They really get yep. all of it in there. A um, bit of disability stuff as well. Uh, with who for what? So there's, um, they're walking through like Chinatown or whatever and oh, all right. of the cars have a disability sticker on them and there's a man who gets out of his car and she's like, look at him all able-bodied. And I'm like, mm, that's the whole point of having the disability stickers is you can't always see yeah. if someone's disabled just by looking at them and he might have a need to be in his car and he could, even though he can walk a short distance. Disabled people aren't the bulk of that joke though. No. Uh, Chinese, Chinese people, people are. are. Uh, and neither of Well, wait. Is she Chinese? She's playing. I, I thought she was. I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, he's playing a Korean character and she's playing a character he, whose last he, name is Tran, which to me says Vietnamese. But Yeah, that's what I, I thought. I don't – I can't – oh, yeah, no, she's a Vietnamese chef. They talk about her fu- okay, Vietnamese yeah. fusion food. So, yeah, neither of them is Chinese. Uh, yeah, no, I, I understand. I also kind of – it just felt that that was one of the jokes that made me feel a bit like throwback. Yeah, no, but I feel like that – That I mean, what they're making fun of is like – the cheapness of these people yeah, to yeah. want to like and then the entitlement of them to want to park wherever they uh, yeah, want yeah. And, and that and sort of stuff like, and not pay she, for parking when she makes fun of her own parents it's really funny like they her parents don't want her to take an uber because they don't want her to tip anybody that would have been so much better if it had been more in the movie too like her parents are only in two scenes of the movie yeah. and i really wanted them to build that up more um no three scenes sorry yeah, but yeah. but like it's one scene and then they come back yeah, um, it's, we're told, we're not shown. Yeah, exactly. And I thought that was a bit annoying. I would have preferred it if there was more stuff. Yeah, it would have been funny. Yeah. Um, and we don't even see them when she's a kid either. No, no. She's left home alone, which is 
I guess, makes a point that they want to have made, but it, it also doesn't allow us to see who they are before she's Sasha Tran, chef. Yeah, exactly. It would have been better if, if at some point during the day they were like, okay, bye, we're going to leave you alone all day rather than just have the note. Yeah, uh, answering machine message. Yeah, yeah. It's not enough. And also, like even just a little scene of like them at their shop, because that you could you could maybe then mm. see how the cheapness comes from working in retail and like dealing with suppliers or dealing with people who steal from their store or something. Like you could do it a- doesn't come from that. No. like that's that's it's clearly a cultural. a cultural thing. Yeah, but you Which- could see it though. You could you could easily demonstrate it. Like uh, maybe she's staying at home because she doesn't want to work in the shop because they won't pay her. You know, like you could something simple like that. Mm. Yeah, something to, something to show that they were like this when she was a kid. Yeah, would be really helpful. Um, I did like the, I thought it was cute how at the beginning of the film, they used the photo booth pictures to like progress back to the little kid versions. Yeah. The little kid versions of them were brilliant. So cute. They were so cute. They were so talented. They were almost like more sparkling and had better chemistry than the adult versions. Like the little kid versions of them were great. They were so good, yeah. I could watch a whole movie just with those two kids. They yeah, were yeah. fantastic. There's a super clunky line in that scene where um, his mum is like, we Koreans use scissors for everything. Yeah, but I also really liked that because firstly, I've picked up a new kitchen tip. And secondly, there was very – it was clunky. They had to fit it in there though. Mm of her learning to cook from his mum, but also there's very specific stuff in there that I don't know because I didn't grow up you know, Asian in San Francisco in the 90s, but I think there's some stuff in there that's very specific to growing up Asian in that in mm. that era, and I think they wanted to make a big effort to show that for yeah. their audience because, again, this is a movie that serves a really underserved audience. So when the 90s heyday of rom-coms was happening, they didn't get any, so this is, you know, making up, trying to make up for that. Yeah, and like – it's not that it's a clunky idea, it's that it's a clunky line. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like, I really appreciate that also that they were pointing out different Asian cultures. Yeah, yeah. Um, as having their own specific well, and, differences and stuff. And that was why it was interesting because, like, we were just talking about, like, she's Vietnamese, he's Korean, the Chinese with their disability stickers, like, all the different sort of subcultures. Mm. So, yeah, I didn't mind the concept of it so much as, like, it's just a – nobody says we Koreans use scissors for everything. That's no, she not, would never say that. No. You might say I'm Korean, so I use scissors for everything or something like that, but it's very, like, it's not naturalistic dialogue to no, say no. that. And I noticed that a few times in the film too. Yeah, where they needed to kind of explain something to the audience and they kind of shoehorned it in a bit. And then they just, you know, go out alone as well. Um, yeah, well, I, that's why I'm like, how old are they meant to be? They're meant to be 12. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, which is fine. Like I can see like 12-year-olds going to the mall and whatnot. And but that, I mean, they go out when it's already night. I know, in San Francisco. I'm like, how old are they meant to be? After dinner. Yeah. They go out after dinner when it's already, like I was like. Mm. I know, it was very weird. And so I assumed they were a little bit older. So I was, try- I was like, because Ali Wong is actually at my age. Mm. And so I was like, if she's a couple of years older, and in 1996 she was 14, which is what I was, then you can almost see it. Like, 14 I get. Yeah, but 12. 12 yeah. is pushing it, I feel I like. reckon. But um, so like. Again, I had this thing with this movie where I was like, yes, all of these people were definitely in high school at the same time. <laughs> like, I was looking at, like, Ali Wong, Randall Park, and then Karen Sony and somebody else were all supposed to be, like... Charlene Yi. <laughs> Char- no, she comes in later, so she doesn't have to be the same age as them. Yeah. They hire her late. But, like, they were all, like, supposed to be in school at the same time or something. And, and, and the Michelle friend. Buteau. Yeah. And I'm like... 
no, these people aren't the same age. Yeah, no. Randall uh, Park is definitely a lot older than Karen Sonius. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. So uh, um, Randall Park is about 45. Yeah. Compared to Ali Wong, who's 37. Michelle Buteau, I would buy as like she could be around our age. I don't – She again, she doesn't have a have it on her um, IMDb and I don't know her well enough, but I could see that. I could see her and Ali Wong maybe being the same age. Yes, but it's the um, – especially the Karen Sony and um, – Yeah, yeah. Who- and Randall Park being the same age. And Karen Sony, I think, is 30. Yeah. I think I looked it up. Um, and by the way, um, favorite actor, actor of the year coming back again. I know. This is the I third st- movie we've seen him in this year. I, I've got a note that's like, Karen Sony! Exclamation point when he came in. I was like, oh, he's back. Three he's- movies this year. He's having a real breakout year. He is. Also, I um, – this is the first movie I've seen him in where, like, they actually gave him stuff to do that didn't suck. Mm-hmm. Um, like, apart from the gross fat jokes that only suddenly came in late in the movie. Well, I mean, there was a bit of that early on with the best friend. Like, Boo's more like making fun of herself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, calling herself Fat Meghan Markle and stuff. Yeah. But that, I, yeah, that's her own thing um, um with him it was the like he's lost a lot of weight stuff um, oh yeah, yeah 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 he's yeah that's right he, i've lost 50 pounds i'm wearing a medium now slim cut yeah, yeah. it was just it was a bit weird and unnecessary and he goes i'm hungry all the time and i'm like so just of stop course doing you are it. that's the only way to lose weight you're in a restaurant just stop to, like the fact that this mm. movie is all about got- food and enjoying food and and then there's a whole running line about how Randall Park never gets enough to eat because at the fancy restaurants with with um Ali Wong because they all they serve like fancy food but a tiny tiny amount yeah. of it. But you're only allowed to enjoy it as long as you're not fat. Yeah. It's uh, anyway. Yeah. Um. But um. Earlier in the movie, he gets to do more and isn't doing this like he seems to do this kind of manic wide eyed thing a lot that he doesn't do in this movie. So I liked that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I'd like to see him. him in, as a lead in a movie. I think he's really talented he's, and charismatic. He's got a lot of charisma. He could carry a movie, no problem. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, I got super excited when they were dressed up in Wayne's World costumes when they were Wasn't little. Wasn't that amazing? I loved that. That was so that cute. That was a great little joke. The whole thing was so wholesome. Yes, it was delightful. <laughs> like all of that stuff up until they had sex in the car, it was all so wholesome. And then it, they had sex in the car and started yelling at each other and you're like, oh. Yeah. Oh, and the, the mum dies, then they have sex in the car and then they start yelling yeah. at each other and you're like, Oh, wow, went that went in off the rails. Yeah. In a different direction to what I expected. Yeah, man. Like, they're all, like, going out and, like, fishing and watching each other's band gigs and, like, yeah, to actually talk about ice cream how good about the, like, James Saito is. Like, like ocean. Um, when he comes to deliver the news to Marcus that his mother has died, his whole body, mm. uh, I, I, you often see him doing comic relief kind of parts, and this part is a lot of comic stuff, but that is beautifully serious, and he just does it so well. Like, the way that he just his whole body collapses when their mum has died. Yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah, he was my favourite character. <laughs> he was just so adorable. And, yeah. Something else, actually, I also enjoyed about him is that his job as an air conditioner repairman, that's not a cliched job for an Asian-American. Like, he was do- he's doing, like, a, a very much a blue-collar job, hmm. and his son, who's, you know, like a – meant to be like our age went into that profession which i thought was interesting that's very different to what you would normally see like i feel i feel like there's a deliberate effort being made to kind of put people in different jobs than you would normally see like an asian american character doing well the whole movie works hard to avoid any stereotypes yeah yeah it's really good there's a line that i liked um that michelle what was her character's name i want to say vanessa but i might be wrong 
they could really put more effort into making Veronica it. is Veronica. I was started with an S. Yeah, I, I was really close. I think her her um oh no, her partner's name is Denise. So that, yeah, I can sort of see why you would mix the two together, Veronica. Yeah, Veronica. Well, it's close. They both start with a V. So hmm. um, Veronica um, has a line where like. When Randall Park sees her again, he's like, you took all the piercings out. And she's like, not all of them. And it just holds <laughs> on her for too long. And I actually really liked that bit. My favorite line, which is so dumb, but it's so me, is um, when uh, later on uh, Netflix asks her to cr- cater for a, cater a party for them. And she's like, is it for the crown? <laughs> That's so relatable. But that was Sasha that said that. Yeah, Sasha. Yeah. Sorry, not her. Yeah. Di- sorry, different character. I, I, just, that was, I just saw my favorite line here. Um, yeah. Yeah, was it for the and then they were like, no, it's for some random show. Yeah. She's kind of great. Like, I mean, she she has to carry a whole bunch of like I say stereotypes about being fat and sassy and black. She's and the, the best fat, friend. sassy black lesbian, best lesbian friend. pregnant best friend. Even like to just um, pile so they on. Also, yeah, so they also there is a joke. Like I I talked about her making fun of herself being fat, but she's also like there's a point at which she's like, I bought you breakfast burritos, except I ate one, two of them, what? and like that, yeah, that both plays thought- into both stereotypes about fat women. And black women and pregnant women. Yeah, I thought that was pregnancy, but like. I assumed it was pregnancy too, because at that point I was sitting here thinking about having a second pizza. I also didn't like clock her as black, and I don't know why. I clocked her as like Latina or something. Well, I think the fat Meghan Markle comment is the bit that tipped me off because I'm like, she's probably mixed race. Ah, that yeah. makes sense. Um, I didn't hear that line and probably, it, I probably did hear that line and it just kind of like blew right through me because I just don't care about, about royals, royals and stuff. Yeah. But it came, well, it came right after a joke about Kate Middleton wearing a diaper after having had a baby. And Oh yeah, that I heard. Yeah. Which I'm pretty sure comes directly from Ali Wong's standup special. Okay. Yeah, and that they one just didn't, put it, I didn't mind so oh, much. No, no, it's, it's funny and true, right? Yeah, it, and I think they just ran the lines together. But it also, yeah, but but it also might have been for those in the cheap seats to make it clear that she was in fact black. Okay, um, by comparing herself to Meghan Markle, who's famously also black. Okay, yeah, but pale skinned, or but because she's biracial, right? Anyway. Um, I got super excited because Casey Wilson is in this movie for about five minutes. <laughs> she is too. Um, yeah, you and actually me playing about a it. funny character mm. it's only for five minutes but it's so funny because it's so sweet she like really wants to impress that impress sasha tran and she just keeps screwing it up oh no i yeah and it's very relatable like she's a designer trying to get this hot new contract for this restaurant and yeah, yeah she knows she could mess it up and it's it's also nice to see a white lady fangirling that hard over an asian lady that mm-hmm. was just cool yeah um, yeah well and and as a subordinate as well like mm. she could fire me yeah yeah I liked that the band was called Hello Peril. That was funny to me. That was very funny. I thought that was great too. The lady playing Sasha Tran's mum I thought was really funny and really cool. And yes. I was sad that we didn't get to see her much. She was a really good actress. I liked her as well. Um, just, Sorry, just back very quickly to Hello Peril. They were also – their songs were really interesting. Like they were all about the gentrification of um, San Francisco, which is like not a not a line that is really obvious in the film, but you can also kind of see it like Randall Park and his dad sort of, mm. you know, the oldest San Francisco and the way it's gentrified. So that they also had some interesting songs that they were singing. Yeah. Let's talk about the songs in this movie. <laughs> I punched Keanu Reeves, <laughs> which is the, my best favourite song. Well, firstly, there's the whole, your band is really good. And I was like, are they? Mm. Are they though? Because they really seem like a band that was just made for comedy. Yeah. 
Like, they might be really good as, like, a comedy act. Mm. Like, I don't know, Axis of Awesome or something like that. Well, yeah, that's why Punch County Reeves is the best song. Because there's a comedy band. Great. And, well, the tennis balls thing I thought was really funny because he was like, I'm writing a song about tennis balls. I think it's going to really hit home. But then it was a really, really personal song that happened to have tennis balls in Mm -hmm. it, which was really funny. Yeah, yeah. But again, like, as comedy beats, it's fine. But they're not that good. And also... They're very, like, you were talking about the throwback stuff that I noticed it most in the soundtrack, which is, like, all 90s hip-hop. And it has a particular beat to it that's quite slow and not at all modern. Mm. And that's kind of where he and his band sit as well. And it's this kind of slow rap that is not timely. No. <laughs> if I were being kind, I would say, oh, maybe they're just, like, that's that's that shows how they've not moved on from high school. They're still rapping as though it's the 90s. But, yeah, they are. But they everybody feel- keeps going on about how great they are. And they feel like a throwback. They totally do. And then, um, and speaking of 90s, like, when the Keanu Reeves scene in the hotel room, the song playing underneath it is, um, I looked it up, Shine by Collective Soul, which is a real, like, 90s indie rock song. Mm. Um, and it plays through the whole thing, but it also – it just absolutely is the right fit, but it is also a real throwback because mm. it's not like a classic song. It's a song – that is very much of the 90s. And then right at the end, under the credits, they play Always Be My Baby because it's Always Be My Baby. Be My Maybe. Yeah. that the, Which is very the, on the nose. Very 90s. Through the whole movie, I was singing that in my head, though. The yeah. whole movie, I was singing that in my head. Yeah, Every yeah. time they stopped soundtracking, I was like, Always Be My Baby. Um, I mean, yeah, there's actually a book a YA author who does that at the moment who's like whose book titles are all like one word off a famous song and yeah I mean it totally makes sense that they would do it but it is also the like most obvious beat to take mm. also um soundtrack subtlety <laughs> I'd like to mention here because there's a song that plays where it goes no fun tonight over and over and over again uh-huh. as Ali Wong sits alone in her apartment eating and not going out like before deciding to go out yep. to see his band and I'm like Jesus Christ sometimes people just like having a nice quiet night in it doesn't mean that they're not having any fun movie yeah well and the um the D'Angelo song when they're first having sex as well that she doesn't know the words to she's like it doesn't matter it's about feelings it actually that is literally what the song is about feelings man there's the yes these people are all definitely the same age (laughs) comment (laughs) yeah what else did I write oh Marcus also then uh when Marcus started saying Keanu Reeves was a douchebag, I was like, no, you're on my shit list now. <laughs> we can't be friends anymore. You don't go after Keanu Reeves. I don't care what he's like in this movie. I don't care what version of Keanu Reeves it is. Keanu Reeves is a saint. Shut up. I know. And it kind of gives you whiplash because like he's Keanu Reeves and like he te- – I had to go back and watch the scene again, the fight and everything because I'm like he technically does behave like a douchebag but he's also so amazingly delightful and that's such a wonderful scene that I'm like, no, how dare you? Yeah, exactly. He's my baby. The thing is it really makes him look like the bad guy. Like it really makes Randall Park look like the bad guy yeah. because we all know how lovely Keanu, Keanu Reeves, Reeves is. is a like a teddy bear. And then he sings about punching Keanu Reeves and I'm like, why would you punch Keanu Reeves? He's lovely. Yeah. But I know in this movie he was, yeah. <laughs> was not that way and I was still like, no. But also as a comedy song alone. that worked really well. I hit John Wick and now. Yeah, like, but it was it also was so about how he stole his girl. Yeah. He punched a guy and stole his girl. Kill me. Um, and it's as if it's that easy to get a girl back off uh, Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Because like, she's like, oh, my God, it's the best night of my life. I met this guy. We had such a connection. Like, and, like, it's that easy, apparently, to <laughs> get a woman to break up with Keanu Reeves. I don't know. One of my notes is just, in all capital letters, huge mug. <laughs> That's 
who <laughs> about whom might you be speaking there? That, it could um, be several people. No, no, no. Huge mug, literally. Um, Ali Wong is oh, like sitting at her of computer. Her. And when when her parents come to visit and like next to her is this mug that is literally the size of like a small plate. It oh, is I massive. Have, oh, I have some of those. I have they're so they're actually technically soup mugs, but I use them for my coffee. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she was drinking tea out of it or something. Pro- oh yeah, yeah. I think she was, yeah. They show her several times in this movie like eating uh, but it's like eating an apple or something yeah no and she's always so skinny and she talks about how she's wearing spanks and stuff yeah mm-hmm. when her parents show up and say we got your address on the google i was delighted ah and then we get the classic rom-com scene i know this because my notes say oh no 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 i hate this crap no 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 it's basically a plain scene ew no all the other <laughs> photographers just standing up uh, just shutting up it's stupid and cringy and unrealistic and now they're cheering ugh <laughs> Yeah. Those are my notes. I know. I was like, oh, God, is this going to be over soon? Oh, this is so embarrassing. I, I never liked that scene either. And, and this is oh, – it always makes me feel so awkward and I just – Somebody yells out, kiss already, and then they clap when they kiss. Ugh. And I'm like, nobody is this invested in other people kissing. No. They're like, um, we've got a red carpet to get photographed. You've got an event starting. Please move on. Like, there's all these other people who are probably coming to this event and all the photographers are just standing around shutting up while this guy's like, mm. there's other people that they want yeah. to photograph. These are – like paparazzo like i know they, they're not like guys who go gooey eyed over kissing people Ugh, hate it Ugh. completely spoils the movie for me honestly mm. like and then they've got this lovely scene in her new restaurant which is super cute and homey yeah. and like it does do that whole authentic food versus fake food thing yeah, whatever yeah. but um it's it's still cute yeah and, like it's the nice. painting of the family on the wall and yeah. everything is nice you get to see dad again, which is always good. But it was completely ruined for me because, like, like I was still trying to crawl back out of my shell after. Like, yeah, but so I, I, I that it was a nice scene. I'd written the same thing about authentic because I just read this article, which I'll link in show notes, um, by a guy following Twitter, John Paul Bremer, about like authentic food and what people mean is like they always only ever talk about ethnic food as being authentic, and it's not, you know, and there's lots of like ingrained racism and stuff around the term what's authentic versus what's like real food but that said it's so sweet Mm. like it's so sweet that she learned from his mom and she's worked really hard to recreate her recipes and all this kind of stuff and i think the recipe i can't remember what the mom's recipe was but kimchi jjigae oh was it okay so i misheard that as like kimchi um an indian curry name and so i was like oh she's been she's actually done some fusion here but no no, no it's actually a real korean dish yeah yeah and that was really sweet i thought yeah i thought it was, it was really nice. sweet i thought it was lovely that like and, and she yeah. flown out yeah dad and and his girlfriend which was so sweet yeah I don't and know. they are both writers and producers on the movie yep so you know they're really working hard to make it and it's good they got their movie made but yeah and, and not, they got their movie made, and she got to make out with Keanu Reeves. I was at, at the in very early in that scene when she's talking about like how they had amazing sex, and then he greets her at the restaurant with his big kiss and stuff. I'm like, this is why you write your own movies. Mm. Um, there's also a thing when she's like, "I hope you get malaria and shoot yourself to death." I was like, that seems racist. Well, uh, I, I that was something that I I'm if like the mean button in my head, it, but you're right because he's in India. Yep. Yeah, you're right. It is. It is racist. racist. 
Yeah, it's in, but it, and it's it's mean. Yeah, it's mean. And again, I, and that's and the mean humor is throwback, right? That's nineties humor. But also, like, I can completely get her wanting to be mean in that scene to him. He mm. was awful. Like, you, yeah, yeah, he totally. deserves to have a moment when people are mean to him because he's just a jerk, right? Yeah, yeah but totally. Like, that was a, a that was like a line that kind of takes it too far, mm. and not in like he doesn't deserve it. In like it makes her look bad. Yeah. And the movie actually spends less time making her look bad than making Randall Park look bad. Yes. Um, the, yeah, I feel like they could have actually probably gone further into making their fights more equitable. Yeah, um, I think because so. Because you, she always comes out looking better. Yeah, and it, it makes the, that, that last act kind of go a bit too easily because mm. she does come out looking too good in those fights when there's plenty wrong with her approach. And also – like, in addition to that, she makes two big romantic gestures at the end of the movie, and the most that he does is pull his thumb out of his ass, buy a suit from whatever it is. Suits are us. Suits are us, And he flies to New York. Yeah. Like, but she does too. She buys all of their merch, mm-hmm. and then she also opens a restaurant for him, mm. which are both much bigger romantic gestures than what he does to make up for being the bigger dick. Yep. I was like... Where's the balance in this? Yeah, movie? it doesn't feel equitable at all. And there's a scene that is really, really great. Um, and I just, I just recently read an interview with Ali Wong in Vanity Fair. I think where she talks about how in her family she's the breadwinner now, and that there's when you're in a um male female couple and you're the woman who's the breadwinner. There's still you know now lots of there's lots of baggage around that and lots of like renegotiating of hetero relationships. And I think in one of their fights where she's like what's wrong with just supporting me? There's nothing wrong with being my support guy, being the guy who's there with me, beside me, helping me. Um, people need that. And I think there's something in there about that she's that's come from her own life that doesn't really get explored in this film about relationships, like powerful women's relationships with men who earn less or who are less powerful than them. And well, there's, they're and kind she, of she having clearly, two different fights Yeah, there. and she's clearly having a bit of a fight about that. But it feels like that's come from Ali and mm. not necessarily Sasha so much because it doesn't feel like their relationships have necessarily had time to get to that point. And also it's not like she's had that a lot. Mm, no. Like Daniel Day Kim is clearly as powerful as her yeah. more so. And then she, um, the next person she dates Keanu. is Keanu, who is more famous than she is. So, like, mm. it, it isn't something that – like, she picks up on him going – oh, you just think I'm an ordinary guy. But the fight that he's having there is you're just going through a bunch of guys because you want somebody on your arm. And the fight that she's having there is like, why can't you just support me? And they're completely at different points. Like she's not addressing the point that he's making, which is that like you're just seeing me as yet another guy to have on your Mm. arm so you don't have to go alone. And she's not like yeah. she's not seeing that point and he's not seeing the point that she's making about her being more successful because he really doesn't care about that at all no he, yeah and it's ah, it annoyed me that scene and maybe real fights are like that but they don't make any effort but to it needs but the fight, address that the, and this is a romantic comedy the fight needs to work to support the story yeah exactly like not necessarily a point that the writer wants to make yeah, and and it doesn't get to their central point, which is actually he doesn't really want to go to big events and fly off all over the world, which, by the way, I get. It's perfectly fine not to want to live in one place and not fly around the world. Yeah, like he's actually doing better now. I wouldn't want to uproot and go off to New York for two months either. Yeah, cause, and his problem, like 
um, that they have a line about his Corolla, which is like it's in the same condition as it was in high school and it's not, right? It's very clearly not. And he thinks that his life is in the same condition as it was in high school and it's very clearly not. And part of that is because he hasn't moved or, you know, um, out of his comfort zone at all. He just thinks because he feels the same, everything is the same. And that's – and, you know, he has to learn that – it's kind of a subtle journey. Like it's okay to still live in one city or to drive whatever car you want but to drive. But this movie doesn't say that. This but, movie says yeah, don't do that. Yeah, this Go movie to New York instead. You need to kind of – yeah. And, and he could be having a perfectly legitimate story where he just kind of grows up a bit. Mm. But, yeah, instead this movie's like you've got to – you've actually got to be like take a big leap with your life. But that's, that's what, like, the movie up until that point is that. He mm. goes out and does better. Yeah, exactly. And he's doing fine. And, yeah, by that point he's doing fine. He has his own apartment. He is, like, he's in the, the his band, band is, is doing better. Yeah. Um, all of that stuff. You know, he's he's made those little steps to improve mm. his life. And then they're like, no, you've still been a dick. Do the big thing. Yeah. And when, like, she's just kind of. Like but she doesn't to be stop fair, doing any of the stuff no. that she was already and doing. And, like, to be fair, she's like, oh, yeah, I'm coming to, for two months. I'm going to open a restaurant and then I'm going to move on. And that was her original plan. But she doesn't even think about how that's weird. She doesn't even think about how that's not how most people live their lives is two months at a time in a different city. But, again, she's it's perfectly fine for her to do that and want to do yeah, that, yeah. right? Like, it's, it's fine that she wants to do that and it's fine that that's her life. But, like, the movie kind of goes – that's the life he should have too. Yeah, it does. And also, like, she opens the restaurant in New York and then she's like, well, we're going to stay here now. And then he's like, okay. And, and so ends like, up uprooting his whole life anyway. And is James Saito going to also move all his whole life to New York? Like, yeah. Probably not. They would. They imply that they're fine separate. But, like, yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's with the band. What's the band going to do? All yeah. that sort of stuff. You know, it, she's trying to uproot everybody's life because she expects that from hers and yeah. doesn't like ever address the fact that maybe not. Yeah, and they don't have that fight and that's the fight they needed to have. Yeah, exactly. That's the fight. That's the core of this movie yeah. is that he's stuck and she's always moving mm. and from two different like, – And they need to work out how to compromise on that. And from two different trauma backgrounds as well because he's stuck because his mother died and he's stuck at the age that his mother died and she's like – always just wanted to get away from being stuck with her parents because they were never around for her and she feels Mm. like she has to do everything herself. They don't actually solve that problem in this. Like her opening up a cutesy restaurant that that is about his stuff doesn't actually solve that major disconnect. Basically it just goes, he's just going to uproot and move there now. Yeah. The end. That's going to go great, I'm sure. Yeah. Without all of his supports and everything. Yeah. When he hasn't actually addressed the fact that his mother died. Yeah. This should go great. This should, this should go really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just going to turn mean next time they have a fight again because he hasn't addressed the fact that his mother died. And she's going to open up a new restaurant somewhere else in two months. I don't think so. I think she's like, no, I want to stay here and make this food. So mm-hmm. the implication at the end of the movie is that they're staying in New York. Yeah. By themselves, away yeah. from everybody. who Away from all knew. of their family and friends and support networks. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. I wish I really wish that Jenny and Keanu Reeves had shown up at the restaurant at the end of the movie as a couple. Still that would have been great. Yes. That would have been amazing. That would have been the only thing that I feel like the sh- movie was missing that if Jenny like Yeah, Jenny and Keanu absolutely. Sorry, the end of the movie was missing. Yeah, I think that would have been amazing. And like an actual resolution to their problems. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm giving this movie 3 stars. How about you? 3 stars. Cool. Okay. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.